0: My guest today is Michael O'Mahony, and Michael is the head of sales EMEA for MessageBird, and before that, he worked in various leadership and other roles in organizations like Indeed, EY, and PwC. Michael, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bob. Uh, Michael, I'm curious. You know what? When when we first connected, I, I knew I'd recognized you, but I couldn't tell where, and then in our warm up to the call you told me that we'd met before on a stag weekend 10 years ago (laughs) and i think that's it yeah um
1: you're from cork right i am i am yeah i'm originally from cork paul um uh from douglas in cork and uh i moved to dublin in 2008 so what do we know that's probably 13 years ago um so yeah you and i met on a stag (laughs) I think it was in Bristol. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly the year, actually, but it was definitely—I would say—it's close to ten years, if it's not ten years ago, anyway. And yeah. um, you know, maybe we, maybe we keep the details of that weekend. I was <laughs> going to say, what, what
0: happens in Bristol stays in Bristol. <laughs>
1: not exactly <laughs> Vegas or or uh, or the big city lights or anything, but uh, oh. but I remember it being being good crack that weekend. Yeah. For
0: sure, tell me. What was it like growing up in Cork? As as a man from Kilkenny, I've often
1: wondered, looking over the fence. <laughs> well, we had many jewels, Cork and Kilkenny in the GAA for sure over the over the course of the last few years. But um, yeah, look, it was it was. Uh, I guess from my own childhood, I, I grew up um, one of six kids, so quite a big family. Uh, I have four sisters and one brother. Um, I guess you would probably describe us as I. I a typical working class family Paul you know my dad you know had many many different role uh, jobs and roles over the course of years ranging from you know some of the funnier ones are, are are driving ice cream trucks to I think he had pool tables in in universities and all that types of stuff but for for the most part he was um he was in construction um and was a laborer himself and then kind of was a subcontractor so so you know had a few people working for him for, for the last kind of 15, 20 years of his of his own working life there, and my mum was a was a housewife really. As you can imagine, she was she was quite busy with six kids and uh, and making sure that we had um, that we had everything we needed and wanted, which was uh, which was obviously fantastic. So, I get you know we we had a fantastic childhood in Cork. Um, you know, we were uh, heavily encouraged to go into sport at a young age and and all that kind of stuff. So you know, big into the GAA and, and, and soccer and golf from a very young age. And and my parents are both sport mad people. So that was a big part of us as, as kids and, and growing up was, was you know, going to matches or being encouraged to, to participate and stuff, which which in hindsight was fantastic, right? Because I think, look, you know, sport, you know, it gets you out there. It, you know, it develops you socially, also teams and, and just for, for, you know, developing friendships and so on and, and most of the friendships I have in Cork now um, you know are still from you know when I was six seven eight years of age going to hurling practice you know so um you know a typical enough upbringing I would say Paul like you know you, you went to mass at the weekend I was an altar boy for a few years and oh, um, that, you know you'd go you'd go from uh, you'd go from hurling training to, to, to the church on a, on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning or whatever but um but yeah it was it was a great childhood and uh, and uh, yeah
0: yeah, I was going to say, where did you come in those six children?
1: I'm the second youngest. Second youngest. So I have three older sisters. Um, three sisters came first. Yeah. Then I have a brother. And then yeah. there was a six-year gap to between yeah. myself and my brother. So I reckon I, I could have been a, a, a mistake there. You know, I think they might have tried to stop it after four because there was a six-year gap. Yeah. Um, but then they had, they had one more after me then as well.
0: Yeah. So how does having three older sisters shape you?
1: Um, well, I mean, you you definitely, I think, look, you definitely tend to, uh, have a lot of respect for women, I would say, growing up with a lot of sisters and, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're a very close family, actually, all six of us, uh, we're quite lucky in, in that regard, you know, we're, we're very close and, you know, we're talking every day. So I think growing up with sisters, you know, I would say more so even than brothers, they, they definitely keep you in check for some things as well, you know, like growing up, you know, if one of my older sisters told me to cop, cop the F on, you know, more so than my brother telling me, I probably would have taken it on board more yeah, so, you know. Sisters
0: keep you in trouble, sisters keep you in check. Yeah,
1: yeah, like the brother tends, you know, we were kind of getting up to things together maybe, but, um, but when your sisters, you know, try and knock a bit of sense into you, you know, I, I tended to listen a lot more to them. So I think in terms of shaping me, like, you know uh you know two of my two of my older sisters are in sales as well in in leadership positions as well so you know i think uh i'm lucky enough to have those types of sounding boards in my own career as well in terms Mm -hmm. of bouncing things off them um from time to time when we need Mm -hmm. to or just having general chats about about career talk or if you need any advice and stuff like that Mm -hmm. i think it's 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 really great um but yeah look i think you know, having four sisters, uh, not necessarily just the three older ones, having yeah. four sisters, you know, you become, uh, very accustomed to the, the different things that they go through. And, and definitely, I would say that, uh, you know, of, uh, nothing but respect for them and, yeah. uh, and, and women in general at the moment. Yeah. I'm
0: curious, Knowing that uh, what you say that you've got sisters, uh, family members, who are like yourself, who are in leadership roles, doing really well for themselves and all tight knit as a a group. I mean, I I don't know there's anything more any parent could ask for. It's not something every family, every parent gets with their children. I'm curious to know what were the values that your parents drilled into you guys that has ended up in that situation where you're all doing well, all in leadership roles and all working well together.
1: Yeah, um, I think like you know, both my parents were really, really hardworking in their own right. Right, like my dad, in, in terms of whatever whatever job he had at the time, he was he was giving it a hundred percent and making sure, as he said, like you know, that we had everything we needed. And and my mum the same. You know, she she um, she was a housewife most of the time, but you know, she the odd time she would have been like cleaning houses or minding kids and that kind of stuff so I think from from early age like you know we were we were aware of like you needed to work hard to get on uh, in life so I think you know you know what I think it is Paul is that we never really take anything for granted now you know Uh, and I think you know as as uh, you know siblings we we I think we all kind of share that that mindset that you know nothing we have now you know you know you know some we're all doing great which is fantastic, but I think we don't really take that for granted, oh. and um, and and I don't you know in terms of values you know as I said like hard working was one I mean my mother is um, is definitely somebody who. Uh, was a very caring person or is a very caring person. God, she's, <laughs> she still is, Um but would have been always like one of these people who would have been uh caring for elderly neighbors when they needed it or, um you know, anything like that. And I guess, you know, when you kind of grow up around somebody like that, you know, she was, bit, you know, very kind of in the community or, you know, you know, she, she's quite a religious person, you know, in the church and so on. You know, people would be coming to her if they needed help or advice on certain things. And you know, I think some of that just kind of rubs off on you, and I think it rubbed off on all of all of her kids, and all of them, which is all all of me, myself, and, and my brother and sisters. And um and I think you know that type of uh, mentality that we were exposed to growing up has, has kind of rubbed off, and and we've all just been. You're right. We're we're extremely lucky actually because you know it's very rare that there would ever be a, like a bad word mentioned between the six of us, and uh I know that is quite unique as well and um and I guess yeah i i, I don't know uh I don't know how exactly we, we we got to be so close, but I definitely think like my parents um you know and just you know viewing what they were doing growing up as I said, my mum being sort like caring outwardly to people and right. my, working hard and that kind of you know. You know, even small things like going to mass on Sundays and, you know, that that kind of stuff. I don't know. It it just, it definitely binds it together, I think. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, no, treasure it is. It's a rare commodity, that's for sure. Um, It's fine when you're younger, but as you get older, a lot of people go their own way. Um, However, when when you were younger, then growing up in Cork, did you have any sense of what you wanted to do when you
1: were older? Not really, Paul, to be honest with you. I was very much... um, a kind of a you know fly by the seat of your pants type of person. Um, I was always like a crammer for exams or uh, last minute dot com as they say, right for everything. And um, that went right the way up to my leaving cert. Even like you know my mother used to be killing me over it. Cram, cram, cram. That was it. Like I I actually don't think I could have done it any other way to be honest with you. But I was a last minute person. So that that obviously uh rolled over into like the CAO form. Everything was last minute with me. I was I was more interested in playing sports and watching sport or hanging out or whatever the case may be. But um, you know, as you've probably seen from my LinkedIn profile, I've had a, a couple of let's call them career pivots or whatever you want to say over the course of the over the course of the years. Um, but initially, the the path that I had set out on was was to be an accountant. Oh. Um, I went and did uh, business studies in in University of Limerick uh, business studies with French actually um same same course just with uh, with some extra language modules and I was quite good at French at the time, not great now but um, but that was that was what it was and I majored in accountancy and finance in Limerick and um basically it's, it's you're coming out of that with, with an accountancy degree essentially and you know throughout those four years um, you know all you hear from people. Is you know what's a really solid career now is uh, is is go into the big four, get your accountancy qualification and you're set for life you know, and uh, and again that I was just kind of going with the flow saying yeah that sounds grand um, I'm halfway there I've got the degree now let's uh, let's keep this show on the road and you know and and I did it I went into I did an internship in Ernst & Young as part of my degree did really well there it was it was there for just eight months. And then when I left, uh, when I graduated, I moved into PwC into their uh, their advisory uh, and, and consulting team. And uh, so I started off on the path to be an accountant. And uh, I did, you know, the three and a half year, tra- the training contracts are three and a half years there. And, uh, you know, it went okay. I was never really fully invested in it though, Paul, if I'm being honest with you, um, you know, I always felt like I was kind of just going through the motions not you know with the day job and and that's that's not me like I like to be able to give it a hundred percent you know again go back to whatever I was doing whatever sport whatever like it like you know you want to be you want to be fully fully committed to it and um and I don't think I ever was and uh I actually failed I failed an exam a tax exam I'd never failed an exam in my life whatever but all the cramming I'd never failed an exam in my life and I actually went Took a step back, and I was going like, "Why did you fail that exam now? Like you've you've always been pretty good at, you know, passing exams and, and all that kind of stuff." And then I, I resat it, and I failed it again. <laughs> right, so I was twice now, and then I was going, "Okay." Internally, something is telling me here that your heart just isn't in, in this, and I and I packed it in, Paul, pretty much there and then. And um, you know, PwC were, were were fantastic to work for. And the training I got was 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 excellent. I worked with some like humongous, the biggest financial services companies in the world. I flew around the world for that role, led small teams as part of that. And like was in Singapore, was in New York two or three times a year um, and so on. That but, sounds glamorous. Uh, I'm curious, though, it, be, it does sound glamorous.
0: What was the problem with it?
1: The role itself just wasn't for me, Paul, if I'm being honest. Like, I think, um, you know, it was, uh, it was you know, spreadsheet heavy. It was, you know, double checking and triple checking what people were doing on a daily basis. And listen, this, this is nothing against sure. auditors or internal auditors. It just wasn't for me, to be honest. Um, I think I'm definitely more of a social person. Okay. I wanted to be out talking to them um you know the best part of the role was was meeting those people and and having the conversations the worst part of it then for me was documenting the conversation right it was like having to go through all the spreadsheets and you know i I didn't mind the you know meeting the the, you know quite senior people in these big companies and talking through what they're doing on a daily basis and all that it was um it was all the admin stuff and, and 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 it just didn't fit in with what i wanted to do and 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 um you know, I guess what you have to think then, though, Paul, in these scenarios, is—is is like, is this—is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. And and that's ultimately the conversation I had to have with myself. And again, this was where uh, my siblings came in very handy for for a few chats in this regard. And um, I eventually went to see uh, a recruiter. About different roles, and I was basically going in there as an open book, saying, "Look, here, here's my experience so far. You know, I'm not sure this is exactly the road I want to go down, but like, what, what do you think?" And and looking for a bit of guidance, really. And um, and at the end of the, you know, I was talking to a recruiter. I'd say within 20 minutes, the MD of the recruitment agency had actually come in and and sat down, and we had a meeting with the MD and the recruiter and myself for about a half an hour, and I came out of there with a job offer in the recruitment agency itself to start up their accountancy practice desk which was going to be brand new a brand new piece for them and uh, so completely different to what i was doing and i guess so i took that job and uh, that was kind of my first i guess dip the toe in the water into um into a career into sales and you know picking up the phone and, and cold calling people and yeah. um, and trying to Uh, trying to sell I guess you know because it was a brand new piece of the business and uh, was ringing up accountancy practices and basically you know asking them what roles they had open and you know telling them how much experience I had come from in PwC and that I could leverage that to help them fill the roles and I knew the type of people that they were looking for and I knew the traits that would make people successful and so on and it did really really well and uh and yeah I I did that for two years and um and yeah, look, the rest is is kind of more more proper sales, I guess. After that,
0: that's so. Talk to me about Indeed, then, because there's still a recruitment thread through that. But yeah, was, was there an accounting thread when you went to Indeed?
1: No, 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 no. It was um, so the 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 role in, in Indeed came up um, through through somebody I knew at the time who was in there. Um, I was look look listen I think you know you have to look at things and say they happen for a reason a lot of the time it was definitely a right place right time scenario for me and indeed um I was in the first 20 25 people in the door in EMEA there um so the very first sales team Paul um as an account executive and you know things were really just getting going uh nobody really knew, knew who who indeed was in in Europe at all and um you know my job in there was to ring recruitment agencies and uh get them to advertise their jobs on the job site and uh and so on and you know i was i was looking at like monster.ie for example and seeing what com what companies they had on theirs writing down the list of names and then finding their their phone number on google or whatever and, and ringing them up so there was a lot of a lot of outbound code stuff like we had a we had a running joke in the early days like um you know the the, the, the typical answer was Indeed, never heard of you. That was that was the that was the response we were getting in it, but it was uh, it was fantastic. But I guess look, as as I'm sure you know that the the growth that Indeed has had over the last few years in Dublin and in the Mia is fantastic. Um, and I was lucky enough to, as I said, get in there early, and you know it was really my first real techie sales job. You know, coming from a, a recruitment background for two years obviously if you think about it one thing did lead in nicely to the other you know i wouldn't have got the recruitment job if i wasn't there to talk to them if i hadn't done the three and a half years in pwc and i probably wouldn't have got the the role in indeed if i hadn't done the two years in the recruitment role so it all fed in nicely even though it feels like it was all a little bit disjointed um but yeah did did that role um as a as an account executive and and kind of came through the ranks and, and ended up staying there for six years over six years and the last four or so of those as um, as a sales director, then for, for the UK and Ireland market. So, um, you know, managing multiple teams in there from the kind of, you know, the, the, the new business teams to the growth or relationship management teams and everything in between.
0: You mentioned when you went from the recruitment company, you said into proper sales.
1: Uh... I'm going to get myself into trouble
0: here now. I understand where you're coming from. And, Cause I would imagine you, you presented yourself when you were in the recruitment company really as the accountant.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's the accountant with a, with, with, with the accountant who sells. Yeah. But now when you're going into Indeed, it's not the accountant who sells it's
1: just it's the recruiter.
0: It's all, it's all sales because nobody cares about your accounting experience when you, when you're That's in That's gone. Indeed. Yeah. 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 So, so I understand. Um, and interested to understand a little bit about some of the personal challenges you would have gone through one from a sense of shedding off that identity as an accountant which is a respectable identity going into a place i can imagine your mother going you did what now
1: Oh, Paul, my, you've you know no idea.
0: Said, I, I can imagine her going up town in Cork, going, you know, you know, my son's an accountant. He's just going through a bit of a wobble at the moment.
1: <laughs> you've no idea how accurate that is, Paul. To be honest, you've no idea. Like, listen, she, she's great, right? And she, she, um, she loves to support you in everything you're doing. There's, you're absolutely spot on, though. What do you mean? What you mean? You're you're leaving PWC. What do you mean, what does the recruitment mean now what's the, is that still accountancy uh no mom that's that's a completely different role It's a completely different career decision altogether um could you go back and do the exams in a couple of years? That was the other one, and I was like, I probably could you know, yeah. but like mom I, I don't think I don't think I really want to do them, okay, but you might change your mind yet yeah. and like you be you know. I got that for a couple of years, Paul, you know, and like, you know, I'm even in, I'm probably even in Indeed at this stage as well and go, would you not think about it? You know, they get that. That's but so, um, That's
0: such an Irish mammy.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's just, it's, look, it's a safe, it's a solid job and career. It's something that, you know, she understood. Yeah. You know, if I tell her I'm selling, you know, advertising software to, to tech companies around the world or whatever. You know, the the, the the comprehension goes down a little bit. So she felt yeah, yeah, like, yeah. "Well, yeah. I could understand what an accountant was." You know. Yeah.
0: And as as parents, we often live vicariously through our children and how well they're doing. And accounting is something that's easy to sell to other people to say, "Oh, isn't he doing
1: well?" Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, or, yeah, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he got he got caught doing something wrong, and now he's serving five years in sales.
1: <laughs> what, what about
0: yourself, though, in terms of some of the skill sets that you had to develop in going? Because, again, one of the challenges I often see with people who are quite social is that they, they want to be liked, and they're good with other people, and now you're in a sales leadership role where, yeah, that, that doesn't change, but now you there are times you have to fire people or you have to have difficult conversations, and I'm interested to know... Um, if that was something
1: that was ever a, a, an issue for you? Uh, I would say yes, yes. In the early days of, of you know, when I became a sales manager or sales leader first, for sure. And I think you're right in what you say, you know, social people, you know, they like to be liked. I think where the difficulty comes in then is is around, like, having having those difficult conversations with people. Potentially having to let people go, putting people on performance improvement plans, um and so on, right? And cool. uh that was definitely something I I had to work on in the early days. I think I'm I'm much better at it now, but um but definitely I think it's something that I that I had to that I had to learn to learn and, and get better at. And you know, I used to be asking a lot of, you know, I used to have a lot of mentors and so on. I'll be asking about you know how, how would you handle this conversation now because here 's the scenario here 's the outcome I want, mm. but i don 't want to get stuck in the middle a little bit. you know how do I get from here to here and you know things like that for sure, I think bouncing that off of of people who I trusted and who I know who I knew had had those conversations, so there was a few people like that in in indeed and and outside of indeed as well that I would have been that I would have been learning from for sure um but now, now I think, look, I think, you know, it's part of my job, Paul, you know, um, obviously, you know, uh, you know, sales is, is performance driven a lot. And, um, and obviously it's my, my role. I, I see my role as, as being, you know, to, to drive that performance and, and keep it as high as we possibly can, not just at the team level, but also on an individual level, but, but sometimes it just, it just doesn't work out yeah. and, um, and, and I'm much more confident and much more comfortable having those conversations. And um, you know, you know, my, my idea of those conversations is, is is now is that by the time we get there, you know, I like to feel that I've done everything I can in the lead up to that to make this conversation a, a, an easier one to have than than springing it on someone or something like that. Right. If that if that makes sense to you. No, perfect sense. Perfect sense.
0: You when again
1: one of the things
0: I, I noticed you were in EY and I had this myself is why I'm asking the question I guess which is when you say you work for EY or sorry or for PwC it's a well known organization and then you went working for Indeed and again even in, even in with recruiters they hadn't heard of it and now you're working for <coughs> MessageBird I'll be honest John I had no idea who messaged, or Michael sorry I had no idea who MessageBird were. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about it, and 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 what attracted you to an organisation that nobody's ever heard of. Sure,
1: yeah. Um, so, so MessageBird, we are a, we're a Dutch CPaaS company, which is communications platform as a service. So, to make it easier, I guess, for you to 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 understand what we do, um, we we make it easier for companies to communicate with their customers by bringing multiple channels of communication for example sms email whatsapp facebook messenger voice and bringing it all into one platform so that companies can use that to to communicate with their customers the benefit for the for 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 our customers is that they have one really slick platform that their customer support team their sales team whatever team is is looking to communicate uh, they have one slick platform that that has all of their channels and all of their functionality, all of their reporting in it. And for their customers, that means that their customers can can reach out to them on the channel that's most convenient for them. So, um, where uh, what attracted me to to MessageBird, um, I'll be I'll be the same as you, Paul. When I first when I first came across the role and and when I spoke to a recruiter, I knew very little about it, um, but. You know as i as I researched more and more I knew that this was this was a company that was that was uh on a hyper growth phase at the, at the time and um, and that there was a lot of a really really positive signals that uh, that led me to actually taking the role in, in in the first place um one of which was the industry itself is is quite a, a fast growing industry um uh, look if you if you do some research online you'll see like there's one there's one big Competitor that we have that that's kind of paving the way in the industry, which which for me I think is is, is always a good sign that you can see you know one company really really uh, really doing some great things, um, you know, the the product itself is 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 quite is quite cool to be honest. And and when I was considering this, it, you know, obviously you look at you know the leadership, the product, um, you know what what type of funding and investment has been put into the company, um, and at the time message bird had uh, had had received a series b funding which was the largest uh series b funding ever by a european tech company of 60 million in 2017 and and at the time when i was talking to MessageBird about the the initial role um that was still the case it was still the largest series b funding ever so you know then you start to go okay well look so you know, clearly these guys know what they're talking about if if that's the level of funding you know it's it's obviously you know the product is obviously working you know working quite well and and the industry is obviously primed for growth and so on so 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 a few things like that and, and obviously the, the the leadership of the company was a big factor in me going in and you know i'd seen you know the videos of robert robert viz who who our ceo is and who had started the company in 2011 and and i was really impressed with with him and and the CEO, who I'd met throughout the process and so on, so um, I think it was it was a mixture of the leadership, the product, the industry, and the funding of the company itself, and also the, you know the, the the growth path that was set out for me by them when we were speaking. Um, but you know things are things are going great. We've um, you know in 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 October there we we received the Series C round of funding of two hundred million, um, with a pretty impressive valuation at the time. So um and uh you know we've got some really really strong plans for growth now over the next couple of years uh which is fantastic
0: when you're thinking about bringing on salespeople into the organization, what do you look for and
1: how do you how do you assess it so um there's obviously a few things you're you're looking for uh you know, one of the key things for me is is uh, is is motivation. Well, I think you know how motivated is somebody to come in. You know, obviously, look, you're looking at their previous ex- previous experience in SaaS sales and what's their track record as as a uh, you know as an individual contributor and you know, how successful they've been in previous roles. But you know, a lot of the time you get a lot of similar candidates like that, right? You know, they've got you know three four years experience in a, in another tech company. You know, seems like they've been they've been hitting the quotas. They've been successful. They maybe have moved up and got promoted once or twice, or whatever the case may be. And to me, then when when I'm when I'm when I'm you know doing that comparison between candidate A or candidate B, for me it always comes down to like you know how hungry is somebody and how motivated are they. I think I've been lucky to work in companies where the opportunity has been has been quite big for for somebody. And you know, I always used to say like you know where where opportunity meets motivation, you know, great things can happen. Mm. And, you know, when I was hiring people into my teams and in Indeed, you know, I knew the opportunity for the right person was gonna be massive because I'd come through that progression process myself. And I knew that the right person coming in could do the same. And it's the same in Message Bird, I think, where the opportunity is 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 quite big, where we're, we're a growing company now, big time. Um uh who who are doing some great things and i think when you have somebody who's quite motivated matched with the opportunity that that's really what i'm looking for to see is 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 that there i mean look you can go through your and check your boxes off about they got enterprise sales experience have they you know are they going to be good collaborating with internal stakeholders you know can they influence decision makers and so on and so forth and all that kind of stuff boils down to me then is going okay he's got all of that stuff how are, how are the, the intangibles, so to speak, or and, and so on. And that's, that's really what separates candidates for me when I'm hiring. Mm. Uh,
0: what considerations do you have to take into account where people are predominantly working from home and maybe for a long time to come?
1: Considerations in terms of me managing a team, is it?
0: Yeah. Or from and a hiring their perspective. Their
1: bonding and
0: their, motive, their motivation, et cetera, when you don't have people together.
1: Yeah yeah i mean it's it's tough paul to be honest right anyone that tells you oh no it's the same you know managing team remotely you know it's all going fantastically swimmingly well i think they're probably telling you some porkies right? because it, it's definitely tougher and um you know i've got people on my team who i've never met right and I've people who who are there a year and i've never met them and um and you know, like you definitely, you, you miss that social interaction. I was always somebody who who liked coming in and, and having a bit of a chit chat in the morning, making my cup of tea or, or whatever. And I always make a point of having a, a quick chat with everyone on my team in the morning, even if it was just like thirty seconds. Oh. Um, and obviously, that you don't have that. So, in terms of considerations for me, <clears throat> I try and um, I try and check. I know it sounds bad, but check in as much mm-hmm. as I can. Like not checking on. There's yeah, a difference yeah, between yeah, checking no, no. on someone and it's checking in with someone. Yeah, yeah. But but checking in is just Hey, how's it going? Like it could be just a Slack message in the morning, for example. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, how's it going? Did you know you told me you were doing something yesterday evening, how'd you get on? Or whatever. Um and, and I think that's important. And um, you know, just making sure you're checking in with people regularly. Like, you know, Whatever anyone says about working from home, you know, I'm lucky, right? I'm I, I don't have any kids. I'm actually expecting my first kid in a few months, so so that's okay, exciting. Congratulations. But uh, thank you. Um but you know, my house is generally quiet, right? Like so I I don't have any that's distractions totally really... <laughs> I know, I know, I know, if and I'm waiting the first for the
0: few months it's okay to sleep a lot, <laughs> but after that, oh we'll... yeah, we'll to start to yeah no, I'm
1: waiting on. I'm waiting for the uh the 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 that all to change and the proverbial something to hit the fan and all that kind of stuff. Right. But, um, but for the last, but since the start of lockdown, I've been lucky, but I know other people don't have it quite as, as good as that. Right. So I think, you know, being very conscious of people, um, people having, having stuff like that going on in their house. And, you know, I, I use the phrase life happens a lot. So, you know, if somebody can't make something or something happens, but it, that's fine. Life happens, get on with it. Um, but also being cognizant of, of its effect on people's mental health, Paul, you know i think um you know some people some people are, are you know can struggle and and like you know particularly in roles like sales which can be which can be tough and and i think look as a, as a sales leader then i need to make sure that everyone's okay that everyone has the full support that they need and um and that we're checking in on them regularly and all that kind of stuff and and uh and doing as much as i can to make their life easier i think that's really important like if someone says to me anything in terms of their personal life or, or what's going on you know yeah. just just do it like what's the worst that can happen you know a deal pushes out a week fine but this person's life yeah. is more important so so that's 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 a few of the things but it's definitely tougher um i'm a i'll be a fan of you know mess birds actually a, we 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 all we out a work from anywhere policy paul which basically means we're we're a fully remote company now uh but we we're keeping uh, certain office hubs, so or, or we're we're obviously a, a, an Amsterdam based is is our HQ in, in Europe, but we're you know we're keeping the office in Dublin and our our, our APAC HQ in Singapore and so on. We're keeping those offices, and um, but we're basically a fully remote company. So but we can we can obviously go into the office when we want to and so on. So you know it'd be great when things open up again to you know maybe do those one or two days a week in the office and, and meet people and mm. and get that social aspect back what
0: are the first things you, I I want you to imagine that all restrictions disappeared in the morning. What is the first thing you do from a professional perspective, work-related perspective, and what's the first thing personally you would do?
1: Okay. Well, I've been missing, I've definitely been missing a pint of Guinness, Paul, not gonna lie to you um with my with my friends and um so that that's probably the first thing I'll be doing was, was seeing, you know, can I get a table in uh in toners or one of those uh nice Guinness spots, uh maybe in kills on um on South Ann Street and trying and, and try and get in an hour and a half in there and, and get a few points in and meet people I haven't seen for for a long time to be honest. Uh, so that's the personal piece. Um from a professional standpoint, look, it'll be great to get into the office and and meet the team. As I said, there, there's people who I haven't actually met yeah, that physically be weird. yet. It is it is weird, and we actually we have a laugh about it every now and again. You know, we would say like, yeah, look, we'll have a chat about that when I eventually meet you. You know, and um, uh, so that would be the first thing. Be looking forward to actually meeting those people that I've hired over the last, you know, whatever it is, twelve, fourteen months, months or whatever, thirteen months. Um and getting to meet those guys, right? Because look, you know, Zoom is great and Google Hangout's great, whatever you're using. Um, but you know, there's no, there's no real substitute for, for going in and, 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 and having a chat face-to-face with someone and um, and and uh, and social and the social aspect like that. So yeah, definitely meeting the team, uh, I think it'd be great and, you know, going for a nice meal or something with them and, and bringing everyone in Dublin out. And, you know, I'll have to definitely, you know, m- half of my team, if not more, is, is based in Amsterdam as well. So um, you know, if the if the uh, if the restrictions lifted, I'd I'd be I'd be on a plane pretty much straight away over to those those guys and girls as well, um, and and making sure I'm I'm meeting all of them again. Just people based in Amsterdam that I've hired that I that I haven't met either. You know,
0: what are the positives been for
1: you in the last year? What are the positives um, coming out of lockdown, Paul? You mean yeah?
0: You well, know, being it, so actually the opposite in terms of not so much lockdown, but just we've had to adjust our lives and some of that has to be positive. Some of that has to give us a sense of maybe stop to pause. And for some people it might be, now you don't have kids, see, so you, but if you did maybe more time, yeah, yeah, it yeah. might be a positive, for example.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Um... I mean, look, I get them to the brass tacks of, like, small things as well, like, right, like, the the, the commute and all that kind of stuff, like, I can I do without that, yeah. <laughs> right? It's That's, that's fine. That's a, that's a big thing
0: that takes um, up a lot of
1: life. But, like, you know, when I think about it, I, I've definitely been more productive, and there's no no ifs, buts, yeah. or maybes about that. I think uh, I'm, I'm definitely putting in, putting in more hours, whether that's a positive or not, but I'm definitely more productive. And, and a part of that means that, like, basically my, my commute time is is uh, is is gone and I can I can focus now pretty much straight away once you're showered and ready to go in the morning you're 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 locked in. So I definitely think, think that is a positive. Um you know I think that companies probably having to consider the remote and hybrid way of working is definitely a positive. Mm. Um so whilst I'm saying I can't wait to get in and, and meet people I, I do think that a hybrid working model is, is going to be the way forward for many companies. And um, and I think, look, their, their hand has been forced on that really over the last 12 months or so. Um, but I think that that's an overall positive because, um, you know, from my perspective as a leader who, who's hiring quite a lot, you know, it kind of opens up a lot of doors to where I can hire these people as well. And, you know, I I've, I've just hired a, a leader, you know, on my team uh, in Spain, for example, who has like, unbelievable experience now he worked in dublin for many years but um you know someone like that i I might have i might have found it more difficult to hire in dublin or in amsterdam for example um but um i think yeah you know companies having to rethink what the future of work looks like in those scenarios i think has been a positive to be honest and um there's also been some really cool technologies come out of the woodwork as well over the last year or so right like you know not i'm not just talking about zoom and and the increase in people using that but you know, I, when I you know look at companies like Hopin, for example, I'm sure if you if you're aware of them, like the the the, Who are the virtual right? Hopin, H O P I N. No, what, so what are
0: they doing?
1: They're like a, they're like a like a virtual event platform. So you know you can have like big big conferences through their platform, and and it, and it's really really cool. Um, things like that, I think, coming out coming out over the last twelve months. Now, they, they, some of these companies were already there. And obviously they just came into the general, I guess, consciousness over the last 12 months or so, but things like that are definitely a positive as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, what's, what's next for you when you think about the next kind of three years? I I know you mentioned that the, the company's on a hyper growth path, uh, but in terms of where do you want to be with that in three years time?
1: Yeah, so I think like uh, I'm one of these people, Paul, who, who constantly wants to be learning, 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 learning in terms of my own role, you know, leadership skills, um, and so on. So, you know, continue that over the next few years. You know, look, who knows, who knows what happens in the future, right? Like, who knows where I'm going to be in three years' time? I don't know. Uh, whether that's a mess bird, whether it's in somewhere else, don't know. But, you know, Everything's everything's good at the moment in terms of you know, and I think as I said, I think I've had a pretty good career trajectory to date in terms of you know going from an AE to you know you know running quite a large sales team for for uh, you know a pre-IPO unicorn now in in EMEA, um, is is pretty cool. Um, so so you know I think just continuing that and and continuing to grow to grow the team in Mestford at the moment over the next kind of year or two is is definitely you know. You know in the direct line of sight, you know, after that, you know, I think it's an interesting one. You know, it's it's uh, you know, people have asked, been asking me this quite a lot actually. You know, ex colleagues and indeed go like, you know, you must you must want to be a VP, you know, that has to be the next step for you now. Is, is a VP of a big tech company, yeah, yeah, or, or of a growing tech company, you know, yeah, maybe. Maybe not. I'm not sure. But for now, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, maybe I'm still cramming a little bit. Maybe I'm still focused on the next kind of year to two, Paul, to be honest. And that's and yeah. going to be learning more, continuing to grow out what I'm doing. And, yeah. um, and I'll see what happens.
0: If you had to give all that up, all sales, anything to do with SaaS, everything like, and sales as a career, what would you do? What would you like, I don't mean as, as a strategy, but more of a, what would I like to do if, if I wasn't
1: doing this? Gosh, does it, does it, you've got your corny answers here now, right? You've got the corny answers and you've got, so you've got like, you know, I'm a big I'm a big golf fan, right? So you look at these lads playing the best courses in the world and you're going, Jesus, like that, that would just be the life, right? But like that's completely dream world. Believe it or not, I used to do a little bit of amateur uh, amateur drama and acting uh not so long ago did a few used to do a lot of plays and, and and so on um and for a brief you know brief moment in time you know would have gone geez it'd be fantastic to do this full time as well wouldn't it and uh so that that would definitely be something if i could snap my fingers would be something that would be on my list for sure another one um you know another one is is uh you know i listen to i listen to radio quite a lot right and i listen to off the ball which is the sports show on news talk and i always think like you know if i again if i could package everything away that would be that would be a job that i think i could jump out of bed in the morning and get up and get in and and give it a hundred percent to be be happy with life be talking sports talking to to cool people interviewing people every day um basically getting paid to have an opinion on things as well right which is uh which I think would be would be quite cool. So something along those lines. Um, now that's in an ideal world. I know they're they're um, they're pretty aspirational. So what's that? A professional golfer, an actor, or a radio host? I don't know if well,
0: you could set up an alternative radio uh, thing based in Cork, and it could be off the ball like
1: <laughs> <laughs> off well, the ball that- boy. No, that'd be off the ball,
0: boy. Off the ball, boy. Yeah. Yeah. That does that doesn't come out the way. It, that doesn't sound the way it
1: should. But no, 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 no. Maybe we need that
0: one. I think we might. <laughs> um. Well, what I'd ask you. Uh, yeah, but about the acting thing. That, that's interesting. I, I'm curious to know if the the actor in you ever came out when you're on the phone, or if it helped you, or aided you to act here's what i'm getting at no i know, which, I think I know what it selling is a broadway show put on by a psychiatrist that there's an element of acting that if there's something you're uncomfortable with what you can do is you can inhabit a role and play from that and i i was just curious to know if that was something that you'd ever experienced
1: yeah no 100 percent. so like it was it was weird i i, I can't even remember how I, I i did it initially but um I did a little bit in school, for example, but then like years later, I, I can't even remember how something came up. It was like a friend of a friend. Um, and it started off with like improv classes, right? So it was just like improvisation. And actually 100%, it helped me in, uh, in my professional life. Cause it was early, like it was probably like my recruitment days slash early indeed days is when it, I properly started doing, doing doing plays and so on, right? So it definitely helped me. And it was it was improvisation, thinking on your feet, and uh and uh and yeah like that that snappy that snappy decision making that's not and and not just making the decision but actually having to go full throttle at it because if you did it half-heartedly you know you're a crap improviser right because you've got if you're going to do it like you've got to make that split second decision so it'd be something like you know you throw something on the ground and they'd say all right michael it's it's a, it's a hula hoop, do something with it, for example, right? And you you, you, you but if you go at it half-heartedly, it's gonna it's not gonna have the full effect. So you've gotta you've gotta make the decision very quickly and then you've got to go for it. And you know, whether that whether that you know translates over into sales, I'd like oh, to see I think it did
0: Absolutely, absolutely Michael. Yeah, yeah. like in so many ways. Uh, one is is that it's just being able to get into it quickly, but a big part of improv for me and why I think every sales team should do it it's fun first of all but yeah. it teaches you to listen you have to really really listen closely to what people and you have to accept it so as yeah. you said if somebody says here's a hula hoop you can't say it doesn't look like a hula hoop to me right yeah, yeah you have yeah. to take that and work with what you're given that's a huge yeah. part of sales you don't yeah. always get to control yeah. what you're given yeah, um, yeah no
1: absolutely so yeah, and to think on your feet yeah it definitely helped and um and look it builds your confidence and all that kind of stuff and you know it got to the stage where i had like you know people from indeed coming to my shows and stuff so you know you get past the stage where you're like self-conscious about it and then all of a sudden all of a sudden you're just you're just the guy who does acting in his spare time and has you know plays you know at at various times and then your colleagues come and you know, it's, and it was great to get, you know, good feedback then on the Monday. It was like, you, you know, we had a great time and yada, yada, yada. So Have it was... You um,
0: at work? Have you tried to bring that into for a bit of fun and games with teams?
1: Not really, actually, no. Not, not, not myself. Oh. It's oh. probably something that, that could be a good idea. But, um, oh. yeah, I know it's it's something that, that could be an option. But, no, I actually haven't done it with my teams yeah. personally.
0: Yeah. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. Um, so here's here's another left field question for you. Okay. Your house is burning down, and your family are safe. they're outside It's all good. <laughs> That's the first thing what what object would you grab if you could only grab one um
1: okay, so I'm trying to think now what do I have um I mean, I I definitely be looking for my golf clubs, Paul. I'm not gonna lie; they'd be they'd be on they'd be close to the top of the list anyway. You know, get where the golf clubs, get them out of there fast. Um, but you can replace them if they if they yeah. are destroyed. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not I don't have a lot of like sentimental mm. stuff. Mm. I don't have a lot of like, uh, I don't I don't I don't really hold on to things that like that that are very very sentimental value yeah. to me personally to be honest. Um but you know I guess like you know anything I'm trying to think. I, I don't know Paul to be honest is the honest yeah, answer, the right? I'm, I'm, maybe clubs, maybe it's just maybe I'm... it's just stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's good that your house is not cluttered with
0: stuff. That's good. But oh no the clubs is that that says what's in you know it's important. And uh I, I, <laughs> I I, I have to tell you, because golf's not my thing, I have to say, but there's a reason to it. There's a story behind it. What do you play off? You, you must be good at
1: it. Uh, I play off four.
0: Oh, I, I know. Okay, that's good. Yeah. So I had, I had a, uh, an experience with golf when I was 14 that scarred me for life. Uh, my cool. teacher, I had a maths teacher who was big into it. And I knew nothing about golf, as did most kids in the class. And the only thing you'd ever see on TV might be a 30-second clip of somebody playing the final hole. And you'd see them and they'd, they'd, they'd place the ball on the green or they'd, they'd pick it up and put a tee down to mark it. And it was just, that that's all I ever saw of golf. So the teacher came into class one day and he said, uh, if anybody wants to earn a few quid, there's a pro-am taking place in the golf club. In, it was in Kilkenny uh, mm. on, on Saturday. You know, I think it was a I don't know was it a pound or, I think it was a pound to caddy for somebody. Mm-hmm. You got it right? Yeah. So bold as brass, I showed up on that Saturday morning. Nobody else, none of my friends went. I went along, looking at these guys, and just went up to a couple of them and said, "Anybody looking for a caddy?" And sure enough, so he said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll just wait over there." Right. So I'm waiting, and these two guys come and they uh, they tee off and they turn around. I'm still standing there waiting for instructions. <laughs> So he says, come on, yeah, follow me. And I'm just pulling, I, I don't think he had a pull along. I think I might've been carrying this bag. I don't remember that, yeah. whether it was on a pulley or not. But, um, so we get to where the balls had landed and one of them is in the rough somewhere. And they're looking for this ball and I'm standing there waiting for them to find it.
1: Oh no. <laughs> and the guy looked no, over I...
0: at me says, well, come on, help us look for the damn ball. I go oh, okay, okay. And so they're over there, I'm 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 over here and I'm looking around and I see it. <laughs> and I bend
1: down, and I pick it up and I go Is this Oh the Jesus one? <laughs> They weren't uh, a big fan of yours after that you anyway. i have never
0: played a golf before and I kinda of go, I didn't say this. I go, well, you never asked me. How I ever, Did I know anything about golf? Shame on you. You know, you're the recruiter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should have asked the question. <laughs> I didn't. So no, no. He said, get back. And he says, and send somebody else up who knows what they're doing. And I sent oh, you on the spot. Oh, on the spot. And then I was, and he didn't pay me either. <laughs> and so I'm walking back. But I'm walking back up the middle of the fairway as well. I had a lyric. And I had a guy screaming at me, you know, get off. There's people teeing off. And of course, I, needless to say, I didn't send anybody back down. He can carry his own freaking bag after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there you go. That's, I got my uh, first job and fired on the same
1: on the spot the same day. So yeah, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. I'd have fired you myself, to yeah, be honest. It was their fault? They, there. <laughs> they never. asked. They never asked. Yeah, I did. I did a bit of caddying myself for a few years as well, actually. Yeah. But um, it was a good earner though back in the day in your I, I my did. mid. Mid teens, uh, down the old Hedekin sale yeah. in um, in Cork, and uh, yeah, drive down there at six am. Carry two bags around for five hours, yeah. uh, predominantly for for Americans over, you know, who are over on golfing holidays a lot of the time. Yeah, and um, it was great crack, great a great summer job to have actually. If you could caddy
0: for one golfer
1: just for an hour, just to spend time with them, who would it be? I would be. It would be the main man, Paul. The easy, the easy one. It's got to be Tiger, right. you know. I know that's the need, that's the obvious answer, but it's it's definitely the the absolute truth as well. Like I mean, he's he's uh, he grew up watching, he grew up watching him. or I did anyway. Um, now he, he's obviously going through his own ordeal yeah. at the moment after crashing his car a few yeah. weeks ago. But um, yeah, Tiger. Like, I, funnily enough, I actually uh, he he played the old head of sale when I was a caddy there, and. Uh, my friend actually caddied for him. Would you believe that? Right. Wow. So I've never been more jealous of somebody in my entire life then, and still I think to this day right. he got to spend five hours with Tiger Woods caddying his bag. Like he was, he was probably 16, and I was maybe 14 or 15 oh. at the time. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that was that was a big one. But yeah, we would have to be would have to be the main man.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, we're almost up on time, Michael. I want to ask you. Um, when, 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 you, when you're done with this life, how would you like to be
1: remembered? Ooh, that's, that's a good one, Paul. Um, I think somebody like, you know, obviously I'm starting, starting off my, my family now, right? So, you know, this is something that I'm, you know, you, you kind of, the, the thoughts that, that start talking in your head, like what kind of a dad am I going to be and so on. So, you know, I think it'd be, I'd like to be remembered as somebody who's really family oriented. With good values, I think. Um, you know, like I was discussing at the start with the, uh, you know, like like my parents and so on. You know, that's that's you know, twenty five, thirty years ago. I'm talking about some of those things, and you know, if somebody's talking about me like that, and in, in 30, 40 years, I'd be I'd be happy enough with that. You know, um, and somebody that just, uh, you know was a good friend to people. I think that's, that's something that I, that I value a lot and that I, I try to be in my, in my daily life as well is, is just to be a good friend for people who, who can need it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, generally somebody who, who cares about other people. You know what I mean? Like that's, that, that's yeah. the main thing. Other than that, you know, yeah. you know the, the, the material stuff would come and go, you know? Uh, how much money you make, what your job title was, I think that that's kind of irrelevant at, at the end of the day.
0: Everything can go except the clubs, right?
1: The golf clubs will stay with me, Paul. They'll be they'll be coming in. i I'll, I'll take the Burns. I'll take the Burns for that.